Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are discussing my favorite subject and my head of house, Charms and Mr. Professor Phileas Flitwick. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I just want to interject really quickly. When I was reading stuff about him, did you know that in the first drafts he was listed as Dr. Flitwick? Yeah, I saw that? that. I was like, that's so strange i wonder if like all the professors were listed as that and it just so happened that like there's evidence that yeah flitwick, or if it was like just flitwick you know i feel like it has to be all the professors it makes no yeah, sense it would be so weird like if if we knew that he had like a different background then it would make sense but we don't really so yeah sorry i didn't mean uh. to cut you off there no worries, you didn't really cut me off. Um, I'm just going to announce our patron um, of the episode. I feel like we need a little tagline for this. But yeah, if anybody has any ideas, like Star Baker, but like not. Yeah, Star, Star Baker. Baker. Star Baker of the week. <laughs> Star Baker. Um, Star patron of the episode. <laughs> there you go. Is Anne. Thank you, Anne, for all your support. You have been there for us since day one. Yeah. And I love you. So. I've that. never met you, but I also <laughs> love you. <laughs> uh, okay. I, have I even oh. met Anne on FaceTime? No, I don't think so. I don't think so, no. So moving on to some announcements. I just have a quick kind of like humble brag moment slash thank you guys so much. So we actually hit 30,000 downloads the other day, which is amazing and kind of the rate that we're hitting these numbers is increasing so that makes me so happy thank you guys so much for listening it really means the world to us katie's thing has always been it's not about exactly what size our following is but she likes to see it progressing she gets really upset when it stagnates so you made her a happy girl (laughs) (laughs) yes very much so and then we also hit kind of another milestone we'd been hovering around like 280 290 followers on instagram i think for a while now like every time i've been checking and we hit 300 so thank you for that and if you're not following us on instagram you really missed out on what I thought was a great 12 days of whiz quizmas. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. I mean, we're only like actually four days, three days into it at date of recording. But so far, I'm really enjoying seeing everybody's responses um, on Instagram and in the Facebook group. We're not really getting many responses on Twitter, but I will say, I think we're close to 200 followers on Twitter. We've been sitting around like 198 for a while. So if you follow us on those other platforms, but don't on Twitter, go toss us a follow. Yeah, I will say we're probably like more hot and cold active on Twitter, but when we're active, yeah. like we got some gold tweets. So yeah, I, I always just forget to go to Twitter. Twitter, I feel like is... I feel like people talk about Instagram being more of, like, a commitment. I feel like Twitter is. I feel like Twitter has, like, a longer feed for me to go through. And I feel more pressure to be, like, a witty on Twitter. Mm. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like Instagram, I can like throw up a picture and come up with a caption like fairly quickly. But I feel like on Twitter, I need to be saying something funny. I need to be like inspired. I feel yeah. like I, do, I only really tweet when I'm watching the movies. Mm-hmm. Or like if something t- happens in the HP community, I'm like, uh, yeah. I, like I, I feel like I throw out some good tweets then. But like. Yeah. I did tweet the other day that I listened to Evermore four times while I was editing like completely through four times while I was editing the other day what if we just changed our twitter to a taylor swift stan account I mean I wouldn't be upset (laughs) wizard studies x taylor swift (laughs) wizard swifties oh yeah there we go um and then just because of the date that this comes out pretty late into December. I hope you guys had a happy holidays if you are done celebrating your December holidays. And then also, I hope you guys have a happy new year. We won't see you till after January 1st. So I think we're all praying that 2021 is the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. That was the shithole. That was 2020. For yeah, the it's, it's been a long year and... I'm really thankful that I've made it through it. <laughs> We've made yeah. it through it. Yeah. Um, and thankful for all of our listeners' support during the year. Um, stuff like this, you know, like podcasting with my friend and hearing from you guys and everything. It, it makes, uh, it's a good escape. So hopefully we can be an escape for you on the listening end. And thank yeah. you for all your support. And hopefully we can just keep sending out some good content for you in 2021 yeah and then super quickly before we move on i just want to not to get like too sappy or like i don't know i don't want you guys to pity me but like my 2020 hasn't been the easiest i'm a my college graduation both of our college graduations were kind of ruined i'm like honestly (laughs) um I've had a hard time finding a job slash still don't. I had a really long like break of unemployment over the summer. And like, honestly, having this to work on and like having this to give me things to do during the day has like been a godsend. So thank you for allowing me to do this work and have this <laughs> outlet for like my creativity and my, when I'm motivated to do something, I can work on this. So it means a lot to me. Thank you guys so much. Wow. You're such a sap nowadays. What happened to you? You know, (laughs) December, the Evermore album really is just... (laughs) (laughs) Really gets you in the mood. Yeah. Tis the damn season. (laughs) Exactly. All right, let's start talking about Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) So, as Audrey mentioned before, this is a classic Wizard Studies 2 subject episode we've only really done one of these for the subjects um but so we're doing charms and flitwick like we did the herbology pomona sprout episode so Mm -hmm. let's kind of follow that so we don't have a lot of information unlike the transfiguration episode about like the mechanics of charms um but just super quickly i have some notes about what a charm is specifically in relation to hexes and jinxes because i know that's something i've always been really confused and bad about like knowing the difference so i got some information for y'all so just started off with a quote um i think this quote 
comes from maybe the standard book of spells. I mean, it, hold on, let me see if I can actually find it. It was on the wiki, but I don't know what the original source of it is. Okay, so it's um, a quote from the author talking about like the mechanics of charms. So it says, charms differ from transfiguring spells in the following manner. A charm adds certain properties to an object or creature, whereas transfiguring spells will change it into something utterly different. Um, okay. So at the end of the day, charms, I don't, I don't really know if this holds fast because some charms are like the silencing charm. Like, is that really adding a property? Like, I guess kind of technically? You're like adding I a muffler know. or something, you know? Yeah. Like- yeah, so, like, again, it's a very broad definition. Charm is kind of used interchangeably with, like, incantation or spell. Spells are kind of an umbrella term for all of these. Um, but charms are kind of, like, it's the non-attack and non-defense and non-dark magic <laughs> category. Like, honestly, if we're taking out the trying to come up with a scientific, like, real textbook yeah. definition, like, that's what that's what it is to me Um, like charms this might i don't know i don't mean to interject but oh no you're good to me charms feel like the most and i think this is why this is they're they're it's my favorite subject but they feel the most useful in like everyday life which maybe seems mundane and it's like why would that be your favorite but like i feel like if you're just a wizard going about your daily life and you're not living through a war and all of that like charms is what you're gonna use the most yeah for sure um especially like transfiguration like seems like it comes up in very niche situations yeah yeah i think that like they're also fun and this maybe we'll talk about this later too but like the charms class is like always seems so fun yeah for sure like pillows are flying around they're making teacups dance you know yeah sounds like a ruckus time um (laughs) But so to succeed in casting a charm, you have to pronounce the charm clearly and correctly, unless you're doing nonverbal. Um, but I guess to be able to do it nonverbally, you have to have like succeeded in pronouncing it correctly in the past. So it's like you still have the yeah. ability. I think you have to, to know the pronunciation. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have to get the wand movement correct, which I have a love hate relationship with wand movement because it adds such a like cool aspect to kind of the lore and the magic system. Mm. But in the movies, they don't do it, and I'm glad they didn't do it in the movies because I think it would look kind of ridiculous. Because yeah. some of the like wand movements that we know are like a little elaborate. I mean, yeah. some of them like are like swish and flick is easy. But I don't know. I feel like it would have made it too complicated and like broke up the action if they did wand movements in the movies. Yeah, for sure. Jab. Yeah. Um. So you have to pronounce it correctly. You have to get the wand movement correct, and you have to be concentrated fully on what you're trying to achieve. Um, charms can be some of the most powerful magical spells. I know that we kind of just talked about it's kind of the mundane, like useful stuff, but. The memory charm is, like, a pretty serious and pretty pow- yeah. powerful charm, as well as the Fidelius charm. That is a charm. So, and we know that that is, like, hardcore shit. So. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Um, 
And then what I alluded to earlier, talking about kind of the difference. So a spell is a generic term used for all incantations. So again, that's an umbrella term that can be used for any of the subcategories. Charms typically would affect the behavior of an object, but do not change its true nature. Thus, making a pineapple tap dance across a desk is properly a charm because the object remains a pineapple, but turning a, te turning a teapot into a turtle, as is done in Transfiguration, is not. Hmm. So, Transfiguration and Charms, I think, are probably, like, the closest to each other from yeah. all of these, but, like, they're almost, like, subcategories of each other. It's, like, Charms, Charms, like, alters the properties, Transfiguration, like, fully changes. Yeah. Um, and then before I move further, I just, I don't want you to think that these are my words as I go through this long quote, is not, this is another excerpt from the author talking about like the properties and the differences between these so i did not write these very <laughs> nicely worded sentences um jinxes carry a connotation of dark magic though in a very minor sort jinxes like rick December irritate and amuse rather than harm mm. so they're kind of the like i feel like jinxes always come off as a prank like i feel like yeah. a jinx could be used in a prank like any jinx could be used in a prank rick December is like the tickling yeah, and isn't like, isn't like the jelly leg one? Isn't yeah. that a jinx? It's like the jelly yeah. leg jinx. Yeah, and I think um. Oh no, bat bogey is a hex. Bat bogey is hex because bat bogey yeah. sounds terrible. Like honestly, terrifying too. <laughs> um, hexes also moving on. Hexes also speaking of hexes. Wow, hexes also carry the connotation of dark magic again in a. Again, of a minor nature, but slightly darker than Jinx's. An example would be Petrificus Totalis. So, mm. like, I feel like Jinx or Hexes could also kind of be used in a jokey matter, but they could also be, like, used to harm. Yeah. Slash, like, have, like, more serious. It's more legit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then Curses are spells that are quite firmly in the dark magic camp and are purely harmful in effect. I mean, I think that one's pretty obvious. Um, yeah. A curse kind of always ha already has that connotation. So basically, it's just like a flow chart. Discounting uh, charms v. transfiguration, it's just like slowly getting darker and darker, mm -hmm. you know? It's yeah. not so much like the property of the incantation or spell. It's more like what the outcome like the intention of that is and yeah and the intention the behind effect. it and what it could yeah. be used for yeah i agree so it's a good way to break i it will down. say the memory charm i feel like maybe it's not dark magic but i feel like that could be used it's darkly. so serious you know yeah. like like i feel like it should be in like the jinx hex area as far as like danger and darkness but it's yeah. also it feels like more weighted than you know like it, it yeah. it's graver it's more serious than say the bat bogey hex or victim semper it's like permanent it can be permanent and so it feels like it should be maybe even be a curse but like to say it's yeah. a charm feels wrong you know yeah i wonder if like maybe kind of working backwards since the ministry uses the memory charm yeah. like so often it's kind of like well i can't really make it a curse you know yeah for sure i think just yeah. because like the good guys 
I also feel like it's used more than we think. When I think of the memory charm, I think of like Lockhart and how we got like mm-hmm. destroyed from it basically. But I think that like doing what Hermione did to the Death Eaters, like making them yeah. forget like two minutes, like it's still like a serious, but it's not, they forgot who they were. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I think because of that Lockhart example, it also gives us like a little bit of a colored impression of what that charm is yeah i agree but yeah yeah so that's what i have about charms nice so then just more specifically about like charms the class at hogwarts um it is a core subject at both hogwarts and ilvermorny i assume at the other schools as well like i feel like it's pretty basic magic that would be kind of continuous across or uh, the same across the world um, consistent in that way for the most part at least like it's taught um and it being a core subject at hogwarts means you're required to take it for the first five years and then depending on your placement um your owl exams you can continue to take it or not the textbooks um every there's like a standard book of spells by miranda goshock for every year and then Achievements and Charming is a, another one that they use at Hogwarts. And then Quintessence, a quest is also used at Hogwarts. Those other two, I don't I don't know if they're like mentioned. They might be from video games. But Standard Book of Spells is like... Do you have the wiki up? Uh, no, but I do think I checked the source on Quintessence and quintessence of a quest and i think at least that one was from the books oh yeah they're both from the books okay quintessence is from half-blood prince and then um the other one achievements and charming is from uh order of the phoenix it's from the like owl chapter Mm. so they're probably just like referenced like hermione was like reading from this book you know yeah i wonder if um quintessence might have been listed but if achievement and charming wasn't listed on like the um, the school supply list or whatever, yeah i wonder if it's just like an additional book that they Probably, like, like in the library yeah 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 because the the achievements and charming it comes from the owl one so it's probably like chapter so it's probably about like studying but then yeah. the quintessence of a uh, quintessence a quest what is it called yeah yeah is from the it's from an earlier chapter chapter mm. I have chapter 15 I guess it could also just be from the library I don't know okay so yeah charms is also stated as Hermione's favorite subject she says it at some point in first year um, but of course that gets kind of cast aside for arithmancy in third year when she starts taking that so stay tuned if we ever get to arithmancy oh my god (laughs) (laughs) um and then the owl we know includes both a written and a practical portion and the written is theory based and obviously the practical is the actual practice of performing charms and then at least when Flitwick was teaching, you need an exceeds expectations or an outstanding to move on to the NEWT level. And most of the characters we know achieve this. Because um, Flitwick is a bomb-ass teacher. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then the same, um, oh, and then e- either of those exceeds expectation or outstanding in both your OWL and your NEWT are required in charms to be an or or a healer. So I think those are things we hear about when Harry's getting his like career advice meeting with McGonagall. Um, charms is something that you need to be proficient in um, for those professions. And I think like, I don't know, like, or you like pretty much across all the core subjects you need to have and exceeds expectations are outstanding, I think. And then finally, we know a little bit about where Charms takes place in the castle, um, because in Sorcerer's Stone, they like run through the Charms room or through the Charms corridor um, when they end up near the third floor or in the third floor corridor where Fluffy was kept. So and where the like trapdoor to get to the Sorcerer's Stone was, so it's presumably like near there. Um, next door I don't know (laughs) the layout of Hogwarts is confusing um and then the classroom is kind of like I feel like we so we have these like the the different setups of the classrooms for the different subjects really ingrained in our heads um and the charms classroom is the one with kind of like three rows of desks um facing the and then like facing the teacher's table it's kind of like on either side is how they show it in the movies um and the teacher's table has a large upholstered chair with a high back in the movies they just have flitwick like standing on books yeah (laughs) and then there are two blackboards um flanking the teacher's table and then a small shelf with books and other objects beneath a pair of windows nice So moving on, we're going to talk about the curriculum and kind of what we know was taught in charms class. Um, I decided to not include any information from video games, including Hogwarts Mystery, in my notes. I'm not totally sure what Audrey did. I included video games, but not Hogwarts Mystery. Okay. Um, So first year, we actually have a lot because I think that a like excerpt or something was released for standard book of spells year one well so you we also have this in two and i thought this was the standard book of spells from the video game was how i interpreted it um for some reason i thought that it had pottermore next to it let me oh i don't know okay i think yeah, so I lied then. I did include stuff from the video games. It's I'm pretty sure it is game. the book from yeah. the, yeah. Um, so I think, so two that were mentioned in the book, I'll start with those. We have the levitation charm, which is Wingardium Leviosa, switch and flick, iconic <laughs> to the Harry Potter fandom. And then the other one that we have mentioned is making a pineapple dance. That was also <laughs> mentioned in the book. We don't have a charm name or an incantation for that and I wonder (laughs) if it's different for making like an apple dance I'm sure it is because all spells have to be specific and different apparently but um no we also it could just be like to make an object dance it could be the same thing you just have to point it at that you know yeah um the other one that we have 
in the book is so Hermione does Alohomora. So it's kind of like assumed that that might have been taught in class mm. slash like Hermione could have just done it on her own. Yeah. Um, but Alohomora does kind of seem like a first year charm to begin with. Oh, you for know? sure. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's kind of, it's pretty safe to assume that that was maybe taught in class. So I have that list as well. And then the, because I have them here, I'm going to read them from yeah, the same them. from the video game. We have the fire making spell, the softening spell, the locking spell, the mending charm, and the severing charm. So take that with a grain of salt, if you will. But all yeah. of those seem fairly first year level in my book. Yeah. So, especially the locking. I feel like if you teach unlocking, you got to teach locking. You know, I feel like that'd be the same class. For sure. Um, So then in second year, all of the one, I guess we like don't see a charms class in second year or like. Oh, wow. In which they say what is being taught because all of the ones that we know are from the video games. Um, So there's one that I think you like actually do in the video game called the scourge charm s-k-u-r-g-e this feels like it's not canon but i included the description because it was really weird um it's a scouring charm not like it's different than scourgeify though that Mm. could be used to clean up the sticky green ectoplasm created by passing ghosts so this is definitely like something from the video game yeah it can also be used to frighten spirits such as the aforementioned ghosts as well as poltergeists it is not to be confused with the most more versatile scouring charm. That one would be Scourgeify. Um, yeah. So I think it must be something in the video game to, like, get rid of peeves. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, think the ghosts leave behind a green ectoplasm in the no. books. <laughs> no. So then maybe more believably, um, from Standard Book of Spells, year two in the video game, um, we have the Dancing Feet spell. The disarming charm, um, which I guess you have to learn that in the video game. They learn in in canon. They learn Expelliarmus at dueling club. dueling club, but that's also in year two. Um, the engorgement charm, the freezing charm, the theory of a, the memory charm, which makes sense because like memory charms are a theme in book two, and then the tickling charm, which that's Rictum Sempra, right? Yeah. Or no, we said... Oh, but we had that listed as a um, hex. As a hex. Or a jinx. Oh, jinx, yeah. That might just be, like, because it's not canon. I don't know if it's actually yeah. Rictum Sempra, you know? Well, I also don't know how canon that Rictum Sempra is. Oh, yeah, that uh, might not be canon. Jinx, you know? Yeah. Or hex or whatever it is. Um. Yeah, so maybe I should have check that well here we are um also just fun fact about katie i've like very much played around with the idea of getting that tattooed on my body so (laughs) maybe one day i will um so in third year i think it's pretty similar to second year i don't know if we see a charms class because the only mention of a charm that i could find was the cheering charm and this was only mentioned because Hermione's like oh yeah. you worked on cheering charms it's like the class period that she missed and she's like Flitwick told us he alluded to that that was going to be on the exam like I have to I can't believe I missed it yeah. um so but 
we do have a little bit of background information on my Tyrion charm. So apparently it has an unknown incantation, so we don't know what the actual words are. But it was invented by Felix Summerby in the mid-15th century. Wow. Interesting. Is that yeah. the same Felix of Felix Felicis? I don't know. Do we know that Felix Felicis is by was made by a Felix? I don't know. I never thought that it was because yeah. it's just like Felix, but it's funny yeah. because Felix can mean happy and lucky, I think, in Latin. Oh. I'm pretty sure it there has both both meanings. Let me confirm that so I don't sound like an idiot. Yeah, meaning happy or lucky. Huh. Damn. I remembered Use some them stuff both from high school. In the books. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Alright, so on to fourth year, we do see a couple charms lessons. So the summoning charm, which is Accio. Harry obviously learns this like with Hermione in preparation for the first task, but then they also like have a lesson on it later in the year. Um, I don't know if we actually see the lesson or it's just like mentioned, but like Harry obviously is really good at it at that point. Um, and for this lesson, I think they have to like summon cushions to them from somewhere in the room. Um, yeah, and Harry was bad at it. He like could never get it down. Wait, really? What? Yeah, in class. I think like but wasn't that after comment. the first task? Or do oh do they do no, it, before? it before? Yeah, no they uh, they learn it yeah, before, yeah. and then like Hermione helps them because I think even Flipwick like makes a comment like you're gonna have to work on that Potter. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Like you're right. I think he was like, but I feel like he was like very distracted because wasn't this one like Ron wasn't talking to him and. Yeah, I definitely, like, I think he probably spent the whole class, like, either talking with somebody or just, like, not paying attention. Yeah. So, anyway, um, Accio obviously summons an object towards the caster. You're able to summon objects either in your direct line of sight. I think that's easier, but you can also do it out of view. Um, you call the object aloud after the incantation, unless you do it non-verbally, and the spell needs, like, serious thought behind it. Like, you need to be thinking of a specific object. You can't just be like, Accio, like, money, and all the money in the world flies to you. Like, I don't think that would work. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) And then this is what I was thinking where Harry does really well at it in class is the banishing charm, which is the opposite of Accio. And this is, we definitely see the class take place because they also use cushions, and it's, like, later in the year they learn the banishing charm, and Harry and Hermione are both, like, really good at it. I think they're, like, actually also talking during class this time. Yeah. That's the only time we ever, like, see classes is if there's a meaningful conversation. Um, yeah. But Harry and Hermione were just, like, throwing their cushions with ease into the correct, um, like, it was, like, a box that they had to put them in. Yeah. And Flitwick got banished, like, got... Neville cast the spell on Flitwick because he doesn't have very good aim. Um, so that's just one. I feel like something funny always happens in the Charms class. So that happens yeah. in fourth year. And then I have another funny thing that happens to Flitwick in sixth year. Um, so there are a lot of mentions of Charms in Order of the Phoenix. I do want to provide you with a caveat that most of these happen in the OWL chapter that you alluded to mm. earlier. And so just because they're studying these charms before the OWL doesn't mean they learn them that year. Yeah. Because I was all, like, the OWL is, like, a comprehensive yeah. test. Um, so That's a good point. 
I just want to mention that. <laughs> um, so we do have the color change charm. That was mentioned in the book. The substantive charm. And I think I clicked on this source and like this charm because I was like, I've never heard of that in my life. And I think this was mentioned and like Seamus Finnegan was like a half asleep, but like like saying something about this charm or something like in the <laughs> common funny. room like when they're all up late studying um then we have the growth charm um which like is that just engorgio or would that be like an engorgement charm what would the difference be well yeah th- i thought the engorgement charm was engorgio so i don't know yeah maybe it's just the same thing yeah um then the summoning spell revision i don't know what that means oh wait maybe the growth charm is like more permanent like in gorgio it like gets big and then you can like shrink it back down like it would shrink back down but like growth is like maybe you like do it to like get like a living thing to grow yeah i was kind of thinking about like do you cast it on like a baby and then they're like a 20 year old or like a tree, like a baby like tree, the size and it can of like a grow. I was thinking like plants, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have the summoning spell revision, which I don't really know what that means, but it was maybe also that, mentioned in the book. Maybe that means they just like went over it again, like. In oh fifth yeah, because doesn't like revise? They it. Does it revise in like England mean study? Is that a thing? I don't know. Don't like, review. Like, like, how we would say review. Like, yeah. Oh, like, so you know, maybe like you learn something and then you're reviewing it. Later. Yeah, so maybe revision just means, like, they're going back. Like, yeah. It's in the OWL. They're just, like, studying it again. Yeah. The silencing charm, um, Silencio, mentioned in the book. I want to say this is one that we saw a class for, though, because I feel like I remember like a loud bird and they had to like silence yes the it's like a raven or something yeah yeah so and then creating legs on teacups i think harry actually does this in his owl that we see mm. maybe that sounds right um and then the locomotion charm also mentioned in the book which i assume is just like the locomorto yeah whatever you're yeah. moving okay so then in sixth year, um, which obviously you only get into if you pass your OWLs with exceeds expectations or higher, um, it's mentioned like across all subjects basically that they start nonverbal work. I know it's like this is a big thing in Defense Against the Dark Arts, Lessons with Snape. Everybody's just like like barely moving their lips and saying the words just like Um, whispering it really quiet (laughs) but i think like harry talks about how like every professor is like you need to be good at nonverbal blah blah blah. so charms is the same we do see a class where they learn the water making spell which is aquamenti and this is when yeah it feels really late um this is when seamus hits Flitwick with like a stream of water and I think Flitwick Flitwick sent assigns him detention and lines for it and it's like the like lines he has to write are like I will not like I am not a bumbling idiot or something like that <laughs> um uh. but yeah it does seem really late for Aguamenti but I wonder if 
it's more difficult than we would think because it's kind of like conjuring something, you know, which feels like maybe it should be more like a transfiguration. Um, Yeah, but I don't know, for that spell to be not like a required, because not everybody takes a Charms NEWT, you know, like it feels like it should be a required It's like a survival skill. Yeah, I wonder if... I guess Seamus is bad at it. But I wonder if it's like, you know, at the beginning of the school year, you always, like, review stuff. You do stuff. something easier. Yeah. Like, I wonder when this happened in the book. Like, if it was early on, it could have maybe just been, like, a yeah. review. I don't remember, but I also think it could just be the author wanted to put it in a class because Harry tries to use it in the cave um, to get water for Dumbledore to drink. Yeah, they also, Hagrid's and, hut catches on fire. Yeah, that was, a, it comes up twice when, like, Hagrid's hut catches on fire, too. So, like, yeah. it's not, like, super important later in the book, but, like, I feel like I wonder the author might have got to the end of the book and was writing the cave thing and was like, there's definitely a spell to make water. Why wouldn't Harry try that? I need to yeah. have him try that. Okay, why don't I go back and show him, them, like, learning it? You know, I feel like that's totally yeah. believable. Yeah, I, wa- I wonder if it's been mentioned before. Like, I guess if we're to believe the wiki, like, this is the first mention of the Aguamenti, I guess. Well, this is when they, the, I the guess first it's the mention of them learning it. it. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's been, like, a time in the past, even if they don't say Aguamenti, but, like, we hear of, like, Dumbledore like, shot water Dumbledore out of cast, his wand yeah. or something, you know. Not that I can think of, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. The last one we see in class is vinegar to wine, which we don't know the incantation for, but they, like, actually learn how to turn vinegar into wine. Um, and if cast incorrectly, I guess the vinegar either returns to ice or explodes, and that happens. Harry's turns to ice and Ron's explodes, um... Harry and Ron are not very good at it. They just talk through the whole lesson, and then I think Flitwick gives them extra homework, but Hermione was the only student who achieved the correct results. Um, How is this not Transfiguration? I don't know. Don't even ask Is me. vinegar in wine? Is no. that, am I making that up? Oh, okay. I don't think so. I mean, they're, like, kind of similar liquids. Yeah. I wonder if, like, theoretically... If you just change, like, a few, like, chemical components of vinegar, you could get wine. Like, it, so and it so, doesn't count as, like, changing Yeah, or, like, if thing. you just, like, add a couple things. The reaction of ethanol and oxygen together makes acetic acid, which is vinegar. So, I mean, you're still changing the properties. It still feels like transfiguration. Yeah. That, to me, that feels like a, like, a year two transfiguration, like, spell. Yeah, and that, like, yeah. I mean, you can make, you make vinegar from alcohol. Like, Mm. when a bottle of wine goes, like, bad, it tastes vinegary. So, like, this is the reverse, so maybe it's more difficult, right? Because, like, naturally, like, wine is gonna react with oxygen and become vinegary. I don't know. Interesting. It just does, it does seem too easy, but maybe they don't teach it until they're 16 because they don't want all of the, like, little kids just going around making wine. I could make wine. (laughs) 
Like, Shane is trying to like, turn yeah. water into rum in the movies. <laughs> like, bro, what were you going to do with that rum as an 11-year-old? <laughs> you were going to spit that out. That's what you would have done if you took a sip of that. So Sell it sell it to a seventh year. <laughs> Black market. <laughs> the seventh year could probably make their own rum if they really wanted to. <laughs> Seamus is inventing his own spells, though. <laughs> True. I hope. That's so weird because, like, I know that's something that's just in the movies, but in, like, the wizarding world, they have different alcohol than us. You know, like, fire whiskey. Mm. So, would rum even really be a thing in the wizarding world? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, I guess, like, mold wine. Like, they I have wine, wine, yeah. the same, yeah. Anyways, um, so now we're going to talk about Professor Flitwick. So, his full name is Phileas Flitwick, which I think is a very good name. I love a good, a good alliteration name. moment. So, and just like those words seem so like Phileas Flitwick, you know, like very it like very much fits like yeah. I don't know. Very like much Flitwick fits, like, feels like a wand movement, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and his birthday is October seventeenth. I think we know this from Pottermore. Rest in peace. Um, and then he has to be have been born in 1958 or earlier, presumably much earlier, because he taught at Hogwarts in 1975. Like, we see him in the Snape Marauders OWL memory, so he had to be at least 17 by then. I'm guessing he was, like, probably at least 30 by then. Yeah. Um, we don't really hear of any, many 17-year-old professors, but... <laughs> Yeah, he... October 17th. It's the day before my brother's birthday. Wow. That, I wonder how, like, what Goblin's aging process is in comparison to Wizards. You know, if they that have the same... Question. I presume... I think it must be different, because, yeah. like, I feel like all of the... They're, like, different... a different species, basically. Yeah. I know he's not full Goblin. Like, I understand that, yeah. but still. Yeah. Kind of like um, Fleur having Vila properties, like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, um, his blood size is he does have a distant goblin ancestor, and I feel like it really can't be that distant. <laughs> well, for like I, his height, I think it's like at least like a great great grandfather. Like it, oh, wow. it's, I think like in the quote from the author about saying this, it's like. It's not said exactly, but it's, like, at least a few generations back. Wow. Like, that seems... I don't know. He seems very goblin-y. Granted, that might just be, like, my perception of how he's portrayed in the film. Just because he's short? Oh, like, him in the first two films or the first film? Yeah. Very It's also the same actor, so maybe that's... As the goblins. I cannot believe that is the same actor. I really can't. Between the two films? Yeah. Like, between... Yeah, it's the same actor, and also Warwick Davis plays, like, Griphook, and... Yeah. Also... Like, he plays every short person. I mean, he literally has a monopoly on short people roles. Him and, um... Oh, what's his name? Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion. Yeah. Um, what is his name? Crap, I know his name, too. I know it, too. Ugh. Oh, Peter Dinklage. Yes. Peter Dinklage. Yeah, but, sorry, just to interject, um, 
there's going to be a Star Wars show about one of his characters in Star Wars. Because if you didn't know, I saw Warwick that. Davis plays a character in every Star Wars movie. Is not, he? No, not every Star Wars movie. He very, he very but, commonly plays a character in a Star Wars movie whose name starts with a W. But he's not gonna be in the show, right? I don't it's, think so. I, else, I right? don't know if it's been announced. I didn't. Mm. I don't. I think this is that's one of the ones that we have like very little information about. But I doubt it. Um, but also about Warwick Davis in Star Wars, I'm. 90% positive um his first like acting job was the Ewok in Star Wars that he plays well anyway back to Flitwick um his house is Ravenclaw of course he was not a true hat stall so it didn't take five minutes but the sorting hat did take a while wavering between Ravenclaw and Gryffindor with him so the titles that he's held throughout the years are Professor, Charms Master, which, so they use that, like, kind of interchangeably with Professor, it seems, sometimes. Like, especially with Snape, I feel like he's called Potions Master, mm-hmm. like, it's a like couple the, times. It's like the Potions Master, these Charms Master. Yeah. But you would call him Professor Flitwick, Professor Snape, Yeah. You know? I also wonder if that kind of lends to the idea that we've kind of speculated about in the past with maybe on times when the school was had more students there was more than one professor in departments and like they were the head like the charms master um he's head of ravenclaw house and he was a former dueling champion but he did not run the dueling club yeah it doesn't make sense um, but just, like, before we move on, because I don't really have anywhere else to interject this, but fun fact, Flitwick's wand is available on the Noble Collection. And something's it's very hilarious. interesting about his wand, because it's very long. Like, it is not only, like, long for as, like, small of a person he is, but it's, like, yeah. long for wands. Oh, which, yeah, it's 14.5 inches. That's That's how long my wand is. Yeah, and so, like, normally it's kind of, like your height should be proportional to your wand. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. It could speak to, like, his ability and power, you know, like, he needs a mm, I like that. Wand. I like that a lot. I do um, like his wand, too. It's very pretty. Yeah, I'd forgotten what it looked like, so I just looked it up because it's been a minute since I've been wand perusing. But I think it's cool. It's very simple, but mm-hmm. it's, like, kind of unique. Yeah, I will say those are kind of my favorite wands. Like, if you listen to the podcast, I'm a little bit, like, not very much. Like, not in comparison to a lot of other people, but I'm a little bit of a wand connoisseur. Wands are her thing, yeah. Yeah, I generally like wands that aren't crazy. You know, like, Mm -hmm. like, I like the wands that are like, I could see myself, if I went to Hogwarts, like, having that wand and not being like, please don't look at my wand, it's a little wild. (laughs) So... Okay, so for Flitwick's first mention, it is in the chapter... Oh, how fitting. It's in the chapter Potions Master <laughs> in the Sorcerer's Stone on page 133 of the hardback Sorcerer's Stone. Um, and so this is in that section, I think we talked about this in the Transfiguration and maybe even the Herbology episode, where Harry's kind of like recapping his week, his first week at school. He's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, charms class with Flitwick, you know, like that kind of thing. 
So the quote is, Professor Flitwick, the charms teacher, was a tiny little wizard who had to stand on a pile of books to see over his desk. At the start of their first class, he took roll call, and when he reached Harry's name, he gave an excited squeak and toppled out of sight. (laughs) I love him. (laughs) Uh, Very cute. Okay. I guess that's it for him. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, Sorry. Um... I feel like that's, like, a common theme, though. I feel like he's always kind of, like, excited and, like, bouncing around. I don't know. I feel like he falls over the most out of any character <laughs> in Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, all right. So then his Myers-Briggs personality type. Um, get ready for a whole lot of bullshit, but I think it's believable <laughs> bullshit. is this a charlie repeat yeah (laughs) but except everything is just based on him being in ravenclaw honestly um so i gave him (laughs) i gave him intp which is the logician and this is the same as hermione and arthur weasley which i recognize those are neither of those are ravenclaws um but we don't have a lot of hermione is like i feel like I mean, Hermione was almost a hat stall. Flitwick was almost a hat stall. They just went different ways. And Arthur definitely, I think, his second secondary house is Ravenclaw. I mean, oh yeah, that seems pretty clear to me. But we could fight that if you wanted to. <laughs> um. So anyway, I think it's just a very creative and in intelligent that valuing intellect um personality type so there we go um logicians pride themselves on their inventiveness and creativity their unique perspective and vigorous intellect usually known as the philosopher the architect or the dreamy professor let me know if you think Flitwick's a dreamy professor um logicians have been responsible for many scientific discoveries throughout history inventiveness and creativity i mean are obviously big ravenclaw traits and the reason why i picked this one out of like i mean obviously there are a lot of personality types that like value intelligence and you know are bookish and stuff like that but i think the reason that i got drawn to this one is because creativity like being a ravenclaw trait but also charms i see as a very creative subject i think it's we talked about transfiguration as being very like scientific um Mm -hmm. less room for like improv but charms feels like there's like a bit of flair to it and you can kind of like enhance things in different ways and also to me feels like it would like be like the easiest subject to invent spells in um and so i feel like that creativity pairing with him like as a charms master i also think like being a dueling champion like i think dueling probably takes like a certain amount of creativity like you know to like come up with different spells like on the spot and win duels in different ways um so i just i felt like that paired nicely with him yeah i definitely think that like flitwick has come up with the odd charm in his day you know invented the odd charm in his day for sure 
Um, no one is more enthusiastic or capable of spotting a problem, drilling through the endless factors and details that encompass the issue, and developing a unique and viable solution than logicians. Just don't expect punctual progress reports. People who share the logician personality type aren't interested in practical day-to-day -day activities and maintenance, but when they find an environment where their creative genius and potential can be expressed, there is no limit to the time and energy logicians will spend expend in developing an insightful and unbiased solution. So kind of more of the same. I can see him like inventing spells. Um, I think he's like, he's not like totally disorganized, but I can see him just getting like caught up in teaching students or like coming up with something or perfecting a spell and not, maybe not doing all of his like head of house duties how he should <laughs> um not like he's neglecting his students but like mcgonagall is always so on top of things and yeah. i could see him being a little bit more lax in that not because he doesn't care but because he's like so caught up in something else you know yeah um they may appear to drift about in an unending daydream but logicians thought process is unceasing and their minds buzz with ideas from the moment they wake up. This constant thinking can have the effect of making them look pensive and detached, as they are often conducting full-fledged debates in their own heads, but really logicians are quite friendly and quite relaxed and friendly when they are with people they know or who share their interests. And I mean, again, this is some of the same, but then that relaxed and friendly um, point, I think we see Flitwick generally being pretty chill um, and well-liked by students. I think he's less strict than McGonagall, certainly more well-liked than Snape is. Um, oh, yeah. And, like, I think, like, he was very, I think he was very excited when, like, Harry did the summoning charm for the Firebolt, and he, like, yeah. I think he complimented him on that, and then, like, he, I'm pretty sure he gave him, like, a box of sugar mice, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, after the Quibbler article. So, like, he's very, like, personable and, like, kind of just, like, a nice guy. Um, pretty easygoing. I think, I think the thing that he's, like, most serious about and most invested in is, like, his studies and his subject. But, like, he gets along with other people, I would assume. Yeah. The one thing that really holds logicians back is their restless and pervasive fear of failure. Logician personalities are so prone to reassessing their own thoughts and theories, worrying that they've missed some critical piece of the puzzle, that they can stagnate, lost in an intangible world where their thoughts are never truly applied. Overcoming this self-doubt stands as the greatest challenge logicians are likely to face, but the intellectual gifts, big and small, bestowed on the world when they do makes it worth the fight. I don't have anything to say about that. I just thought it was, it's like the nice little wrap up piece, but yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't have too much self doubt. That would make me sad. Yeah. He seems like, again, we know so little about like his actual personality. Um, but he seems like the kind of guy, I feel like he, he like kind of grew up similar to Hagrid did, like probably very different than the rest of his peers. So I feel like he kind of had to develop a sense of, like, letting things roll off his back and just kind of, like, yeah. being him. I could see that. Yeah, I agree. 
Okay, so then just strengths and weaknesses. Um, for strengths, we have great analysts ab and abstract thinkers, imaginative and original, open-minded, enthusiastic, objective, honest, and straightforward. Um, I think all of these are really great traits. I think enthusiastic, like we definitely see him caring about teaching and about his students. Um, I liked open-minded because I think being head of Ravenclaw House, we often talk about like Ravenclaws there are some odd, odd balls in there like and I think he would certainly make them feel welcome um related to what you just said about kind of him growing up a little bit different um you know he's not there's something different about him we all have something different about us but like he his is very visible and I think yeah. he could relate to kind of like the Luna character you know like a little bit of an oddball maybe um doesn't feel like they exactly fit in and I think he could he would be really good at like being there for those students yeah I think that in contrast specifically to McGonagall I feel like McGonagall could really like snuff out a person like Luna yeah you know like dismiss them and I I don't think that Flitwick would I feel like he would see the beauty in what makes people different yes I agree yeah so then, for weaknesses, we have very private and withdrawn, insensitive, absent-minded, condescending, loathe rules and guidelines, and second-guess themselves. I I don't really know that any of those fit him or not, but... Yeah. I could see absent-minded, maybe. Like a yeah. little... In his own mind. In his own and maybe head. hating rules and guidelines, just because, like... Yeah. It's kind of like more free-spirited than McGonagall. We're often comparing the two, but, like, not any yeah. harp on McGonagall there. <laughs> Have we done a McGonagall episode? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought we... That's uh, fine. Um, so next, speaking of McGonagall, I'm going to talk a little bit about his relationship with the other professors. I don't have a whole lot of information, but... Here we go. Um, so he did have a... It said that, like, he was a pretty, like, cordial person. Like, he had a fairly good relationship with most of the other professors. It is noted that he did not have the best relationship with Lockhart. I think he saw him as a little bit of a fraud, as most mm. of the professors did. Um, <laughs> which is interesting because they... Yeah. Which is interesting because they bring up that, like, Lockhart would have been a student of Flitwick's. Yeah. And, like, in his house... Yeah, Presumably if Flitwick was, like, head of house at the time, you know? Well, I mean, I think Lockhart caused a lot of trouble in his day. Oh, so. yeah. I'm sure Flitwick was, like, this bitch again <laughs> when he found out that Lockhart was like, getting hired. God damn it, Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he also, most notably, did not like Umbridge. Yeah. So, um, and he was part of that, like, teacher resistance that happened yeah. within the school. So, kind of alluding to what you talked about earlier with, like, him giving Harry the gift. Um, he didn't help put out the fireworks that the twins set <laughs> off. He was like, I could do this, no problem, but I'm not gonna. Um, they kept on kind of just, like, going on their lives, and they're like, sorry, Umbridge. Like, we're not supposed to do anything according to you. Yeah, I've seen there's been a post circulating a lot recently it's like a screenshot of a tumblr post that's been going around instagram and facebook and twitter um about like 
Flitwick being like the twins' biggest fan, like when <laughs> they were successful, because so much of their products are like definitely charms based, and so yeah. how he would be like so proud of that and like tying in how he didn't help clean up after them because yeah. he was like, "Damn, this is actually so good!" Like I feel like screw Umbridge, and also like yeah. they deserve for it not to be like taken down. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the twins got in their charms OWL. I wonder, do we know that? Do we know what? I think we do. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think we know how many O. We know how many We know that, I think we know that they passed it because, like, we know that they're in charms later or something. Yeah. Um, And along those same lines, he, the twins had used a portable swamp in one of the corridors, and he didn't get rid of all of it. He left, like, a little corner and he was like, sorry, it was just, like, such powerful magic. I couldn't get it all. But I think there's a line in there that w- it was, like, a, like a memorial, you know, or, yeah. like, a monument to the twins, you know, That's that so lived funny. on in Hogwarts. I'm sure it was taken care of later, but Once for that time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just, I love that. He also kind of seemed particularly close to McGonagall and Sprout. I get the idea that they kind of are around the same age-ish, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Have been at Hogwarts for maybe similar amounts of time. Um, yeah. Like, have been there for a while. I think, like, Madame Pomfrey, there's a, <laughs> there was a mention I thought that was kind of funny about, like, his. he could have, like, a pretty good relationship with Madame Pomfrey because he was released from the hospital wing pretty quickly after he took the like what what what's his spell stupefy stupefy and he was like knocked out but he was like I think shown out and about the next day and they're like Madame Pomfrey would like never let like a, a ward out that early so maybe she made an exemption for Flitwick um but yeah that's kind of all I have. I think that... I will add, um, with McGonagall, I think it's mentioned in, like, the hat stall article mm. somewhere on Pottermore. I remember reading about how, since McGonagall was a hat stall between Hogwarts, between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw, um, and then ended up in Gryffindor and Flipwick was almost a hat stall and ended up, ended up in Ravenclaw... I think it mentioned something about, like, they kind of, like, had talked about that later on and, like, shared a sort of kinship and that they both ended up being the heads of their respective houses, but they have a lot of respect for the other house um, because they both obviously have a lot of those characteristics. So I think there is, like, a bond between the two of them. I think that they, like, share similar values, even though we talked about how much they, like... We talked about Flitwick a lot in comparison to her because, like, that's our, like benchmark for professors but I feel like they are I can see them definitely having a close relationship yeah I feel like their teaching styles are very different but I feel like their core values and like who they are is pretty similar for sure um also talk just a little bit about Snape I don't have any notes on this um but I feel like the professors just like in general had kind of this like I don't know what the word for it is like not contentious relationship with Snape but just like he's here yeah I don't think that he made an effort to be friends with them so I think that they they like 
respect him because Dumbledore says to and they're not going to tell student like they're not going to show him disrespect because like students need to show him respect but it's kind of like it, it feels like he doesn't I don't know I'm sure that they have thoughts about how he treats students and yeah, that might and then be they, like holding them back yeah and Flitwick was one of the professors that jumped in and like dueled Snape yeah I'll talk um, about that in the seventh book um but yeah that's kind of all i have um i think that it's kind of cute that like mcgonagall sprout and flitwick have like kind of a close friendship it's like all the heads of houses (laughs) it like calls back it calls back to the founders yeah you know yeah for sure um also just like a random note we can cut this out but the other day for some reason i was just like thinking about like harry potter cosplay and something that came to mind i was like i should really come up with a like a sexy helga hufflepuff costume (laughs) oh my god can i be rowena ravenclaw yes i was just like why did that come to my mind and why was i i think i'd been watching like maybe tiktoks or something about harry potter or like i don't know watching the wizard taylor instagram but i was like you know it'd be a really good one a sexy helicopter that would be so funny (laughs) oh you know what was i was looking at my um hogwarts lego set that they have and they have um like little lego of all the founders and i was like damn helga's hairstyle is super cute and i was like I could rock that hairstyle, but, like, with not her outfit, because it's not cute. I Doesn't she have, like, outfit. curly hair? Yeah, and I think, like, in the Lego, it at least looks like she has, like, kind of, like, a braided crown, yeah. almost. It's like, mm. I don't know. I feel like we would, we could make a good Rowena and Helga. I think so, too. Because, like, I think... at the next con. <laughs> like, isn't Rowena supposed to be, like, tall? I'm not saying I'm beautiful like she is, but I think she's supposed to be tall I mean, like, with, like, fairly yeah. dark hair. And, like, you For have sure. the curly hair. Hopefully, I'm not You're as not plump. As You're not plump. It's <laughs> described, but, you know, we can make it work. Like I said, sexy Helga Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Anyway, just had to mention that. That's funny. Okay. So then, moving on to Flitwick's role in the war. Um he is not like an official member of the order we talk we've talked about this so many (laughs) times um but like he's obviously anti-Voldemort and he supports Dumbledore but we never see him like actually attend order meetings and I think Harry like um at some point I think it comes up that like Harry's trying to like do something with the order and he can't say anything to Flitwick for that or some reason um, I feel like we know that he's, like, not actually an Order member. Is it when he's back at Hogwarts and, like, Flitwick offers to help him, like, find the Ravenclaw thing that he's looking for? And he's like, I can't give you well too much information. So I'll get to that. But, like, Harry asks Flitwick about the diadem. And Flitwick says, like it's lost for a reason like I don't think you'll find it I think Flitwick maybe says something about like he had even asked the gray lady about it at one point but that was like Mm. after Riddle had come so it was pretty much a lost cause um but Harry Harry doesn't tell him that it's it's a horcrux he's not telling anyone so I don't think it's because he's not in the order like 
he won't tell McGonagall about the Horcruxes. Yeah, so that's true. Flitwick kind of just, like, brushes him off and is like, you're not going to find it. Like, oh, he's like, I don't think it'll be much help to us. Oh, yeah. And Harry's he, like, Harry, I don't like, want assumes... it for those yeah. powers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, just going back a year, but the Battle of the Astronomy Tower is, like, his first real involvement um, in the war. When the Death Eaters infiltrated Hogwarts, um, I think like McGonagall, Flitwick, and maybe Hagrid were kind of patrolling the halls, and McGonagall sent Flitwick to get Snape, um, and then Snape stupefies him, and little did he know that Hermione and Luna were kind of like lurking outside of Snape's office. I think Harry had told them to like keep eyes on Snape as well, and um, they heard they heard the like encounter. They didn't hear Snape stupefy him, but. Flitwick collapsed. Um, Snape comes out of his office and says, oh, Flitwick just collapsed. He sees Hermione and Luna, tells them, oh, you should go check on him. And then later when Hermione's recounting this and they're talking about how Snape killed Dumbledore, she's like, oh, I'm so stupid. Like, obviously he stupefied him. I should have, yeah. like, done something to stop him then. Not that she would have been able to, like, yeah, Snape was on a mission. Um, so then he went to join the Death Eaters. So... Then after Dumbledore's death, when Flitwick has, like, come to, um, he is seen, like, having a conversation with McGonagall. And I think Sprout is also there. Maybe Hagrid. Because um, McGonagall is now headmistress, and they talk about... He, he is in favor of the school's governors deciding if the school should remain open or not. Um, and I think McGonagall kind of comes to that conclusion as well. So he helps advise her there. And then he also argues for Dumbledore to be buried on school grounds, which he ends up being buried there. Um, I don't know if he was the one that, like, came up with the idea, but it's stated on the wiki, like, no other headmaster or headmistress had ever been buried on Hogwarts grounds. Um, so this is something that, like, I don't know if Flitwick suggested it or he just, like, supported it, but there's evidence for his relationship with Dumbledore, which we didn't talk yeah. about, but, like, I think he was always supportive of Dumbledore, had great respect for him. Yeah, also just super quickly, one of our Quizmas questions has been who would come back, who would you want to come back as a ghost? And Rebecca said Dumbledore, who I think is, like, a really good answer. Yeah. And I could yeah. see, like, as somebody who would choose to – no, he wouldn't choose to come back as a ghost. No. He would go with his family. Ariana. I think he would go with his family, but I think that's – I. That's an answer I never would have thought of, and yeah. I think it's a really cool one because I feel like you could would have been so maybe, helpful. <laughs> yeah, I also feel like you could almost make the argument that like Dumbledore is so like self loathe self loathing that and, he like, would. blames himself that he would like he doesn't deserve himself. that yeah. like happy ending quote yeah. unquote after he's murdered you know <laughs> yeah um so then anyway at the Battle of Hogwarts as Katie alluded to. Um, when Harry shows up and McGonagall forces Snape out of the castle, he, Flitwick runs up with the other professors after, um, McGonagall has, like, called the other heads of houses, and she's dueling Snape, and he, like, casts a charm on the suit of armor that Snape is, like, using to defend himself. So I think this is the inspiration for that scene in the movie where McGonagall casts the, like, like, makes the suit of armors come to life. Um, cause I don't, I don't think that happens in the book. Well, there is something Does I feel it? like about, 
like things coming to life. I don't know if it's like the castle's defenses or if like it's something that McGonagall has to like enact. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't remember. But anyway, he helps McGonagall duel Snape and get him to leave. Um, Then he's asked by Harry about the diadem, like I talked about. Um, He also casts a lot of the protective charms that they put up around Hogwarts. I think that's, like, one of the first things McGonagall tells him to get to work on, because obviously, like, he would be good at that. Yeah. And we see him fighting in the Battle of Hogwarts, and we see him afterwards, I think, sitting with Sprout and Hagrid? I don't know. But when we see him fighting, he is seen dueling Yaxley. Um, Obviously, he survived. Yeah, I I feel like Flitwick was just a madman. Like, Yaxley didn't stand a chance against Flitwick. Yeah, I mean, like, he's a dueling champion, so. Yeah, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, that's that. Um, He did his part. Yeah. I think we, I... I feel like we might have talked about this in the Sprout episode, kind of what the teachers at Hogwarts, kind of what they had the ability to do in the fight against Voldemort because they know they knew that they wanted to stay at Hogwarts and kind of like protect the students yeah. in a way. Yeah. So they couldn't do too much, honestly, to like outwardly be against the regime that was like running the government and honestly the school that they taught in, you know. Yeah. Um, for the where are they now section, I have a very small, very, very small. Um, it's assumed that he went back to teaching at Hogwarts after the battle and kind of like helped rebuild the school. And then there's a lot of information on Wizards Unite or from Wizards Unite about him. Um, like he helped write stuff for the like secrecy task force, task force or whatever. Um, but I didn't include any of that yeah it's not necessary it also like wasn't interesting like maybe if it was a little bit more interesting i might have included it but it just wasn't yeah super interesting and there's no cocktail for him so that's why i just deleted that section sad yeah tales of giant monsters are as old as tales themselves but what makes those stories fit into the kaiju genre and just how scary can they be Larry and Justin are pursuing this very knowledge on the Here's Johnny podcast, a horror show that arrives every week, just like your favorite radio drama, but instantly through forbidden sciences known as Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. There are a ton of kaiju out there to learn about. Just listen to your local emergency officials and stay out of their paths. Wait, say that again? Uh, sorry, folks, I'm getting a message from our staff. Uh, folks, we're getting reports that a massive creature has just risen off the coast of this station and is heading this way. Please follow evacuation protocol and... Listen to the Here's Johnny podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So, for today's pop quiz question, it is, if you could perform one household charm to help with the chores around the house, what would it be? Okay. So, I wrote this question with something very specific in mind, because I was, oh. it's something 
I always put off. Um, but I'll read the, the Facebook group. Linda said, whatever washes the dishes. Anne said, cleaning the house. Cassidy said, changing the bed sheets, especially the Duna cover. Is it Duna cover? The, like, fitted sheet? Do you think it's an autocorrected duvet cover? Oh. No, it's like... No, it's actually a thing. It is... It's the same thing as duvet. But it's, like, actually a word. I didn't know that. Um, But, yeah, that is, like, a... An annoying thing to do. I would say the fitted sheet, too. Like, changing the bed sheets. The fitted sheet is always hard to get on. Um... Micah said sweeping and mopping or vacuuming, <laughs> vacuuming, um, and Rebecca said definitely folding clothes or dishes or cooking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no one hit on exactly what I was going to say, which is laundry. Mm. Not because it's particularly hard to do. I mean, you just like hit start, but yeah. I always hate having to, I have to like go up and down the stairs and I have to... It takes, like, a couple hours. It's not something you can just, like, do, and you're done. You have to, like, do it, and then you have to go back to it, and then you have to go back to it again. And also, if I had a magic spell to do it, I wouldn't have to pay to do my laundry. Yeah, that's inconvenient. Yeah. So mine is similar. Um, Folding clothes is literally my least favorite thing to do. (laughs) I... Fun fact, um, so I was in Mississippi for an internship for like three months and I folded my clothes one time the entire time I was there. The other times I just had two separate piles, dirty and clean clothes. My dirty clothes were in my closet and my clean clothes were just in the corner of my room piled up. Um <laughs> So yeah, I have that told you anything about how much I hate doing it. I know I, I talked about this in the episode, I feel like, very long ago. But I've always said that I need to find a partner that does laundry. Because I borderline enjoy hand-washing dishes. Mm-hmm. So I'll do the dishes, but I need somebody else to like fold the clothes because I hate it. I absolutely hate it. All right. So. Okay, well, that's a wrap on our last episode of 2020. Oh, it's my God. It's been a ride. Um, no, we're getting so close to two years. Yeah, we're coming up on two years, so keep your eyes peeled for that celebration. Yeah. And figure yeah. out something to do. Um, also, this episode is dropping late December, and... I'm just going to tell you, Katie would prefer a late Christmas gift <laughs> as opposed to none. And so yeah. if you haven't given her a Christmas gift yet, she want, really, really wants us to get to 50 ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And we're still seven away as of date of recording. So I don't know. If you love Katie, I feel like yeah. you have to do that by the end of 2020. I would agree. I also think like how nice would it be to hit 30,000 downloads 300 followers on Instagram, maybe that 200 mark on Twitter, and 50 reviews all within the last month of 2020. Just really, like, leave in 2020 on probably the best note of the year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's it. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
Um, you can find us on social media. We are Wizards Days Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you are so inclined and want to take part in our pop quizzes, continue that Wiz Quizmas vibe. You can join our Facebook group, Wizards Days Podcast group, and you can follow us on the aforementioned Twitter at Wizard Studies. You can also email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. And I'm going to do all of them today. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com and then search Wizard Studies Podcast. Nice. All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all wrapped. Mm-hmm.